It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The Navarro Miller Report, featuring the hottest in news, entertainment, sports, and all those topics for the mainstream audience. The Navarro Miller Report. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Navarro Miller Report. I'm your host, Dave Navarro. And I'm Jeremy Miller. And Jeremy, it's our 50th episode. It's- oh, dear Lord. 50 episodes of top i mean uh you know having enjoyed putting up with you yes enjoying your company is what i was gonna say you know you make out like you don't love me but you call all the time i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i I, I have no recollection of these uh alleged uh phone calls that you speak of at all ever in life anyways want to welcome everybody to the stream thank you so much for joining us on our 50th episode it's been a great ride i mean obviously jeremy you and i have done a different podcast before this one uh but this one you know i gotta tell you 50 episodes it's been a good ride i mean we've i've you know regardless of all the crap we talk about each other i've actually enjoyed it i've enjoyed interacting with our with our guests interacting with our audience that's always been fun to me man absolutely not that i didn't enjoy the other thing we were doing but i really love this format i love the you know the fans who've been watching and following and interacting with us and yeah you haven't been so bad yourself so yeah. you know Cool. I appreciate. I appreciate the love. It's about as far <laughs> as I'm gonna go. Nice. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected anything more from you, so <laughs> we're good with that. Um, well, as uh, as we continue on, as we like uh, continue our our tradition of having our show here and everything, um, we usually do TikTok blind reacts. But I've decided to, you know, I mean, I, I felt bad. I felt bad. We were living. We were leaving Instagram behind. Instagram's got a lot of really good videos uh, to show. And, uh, you know, a a couple of these videos that we have, uh, I'll go ahead and let you know which ones are from Instagram, which ones are from TikTok at the end of the video. But this first one that uh, I decided to do, (laughs) talk about irony of ironies um, when you watch this. Check it out. I'm supposed to be on the same team. (laughs) <laughs> lost another one <laughs> i'm sorry i saw this and i was like oh i gotta put this one in there. Hey, that's too funny even even my cop buddies would laugh their butts off at that one <laughs> dude a cop chasing a pig I that's mean, too good i mean you know irony of ironies right there <laughs> much respect to the blue i'll just say that right now but i mean come on you just couldn't help it oh I, no that one's too good that's too uh too, like you said the timing is too perfect too ironic dude, it was just funny though the pigs going by and then right behind him the cop 
It's like, dude, come back. Oh, Lord. This other one, actually, that one's from TikTok. So I presented that one from TikTok. These two other ones are actually from Instagram. Uh, this one in particular, uh, this is what happens when people over, like, they listen to someone else's phone call. And, um, yeah, this is just a very strange phone call. I mean, what would you do if you heard something like this? What was the call? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. <laughs> like, I got the wrong one on that one. This one's the one with the phone call. Here we go. My gynecologist, like, was checking me out, but he's honestly, like, hot. Like, should I go? I mean, I'm, I'm down, you know? Like, he's already kind of seen it all. Yeah, no, I know. I was thinking I could go back there right now, though. I'm like, should I just get his digits? Or is that weird? I mean, technically, I already have his number, but, like, the receptionist will answer, so... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, more power to her. I don't know. Uh, ooh, the, guy next to her, the guy next to her is like, really? You're gynecologist? Like, really? <laughs> You're gynecologist? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure if she does pursue that, she'll have to find a different gynecologist. I, oh, yeah. I think there's some sort of... Uh, Conflict Hipper, of interest. Hipper rules, conflict of interest thing going on there. But. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Welcome to the stream, man. Hey, Jeff. I don't know many women who would uh, who would uh, think of hitting up their gynecologist for his digits. But, uh, hey, more power to her. Dude, seriously. Like, um, I, I don't know. Ladies, how many of you uh, watching would actually date your gynecologist you know how hot would he have to be like seriously <laughs> i mean for you to actually to pursue that i mean it's it's honestly it's like it's kind of a catch-22 in a sense if you date a gynecologist because if you think about it you know it would be a good thing because he knows how to work his way around that area but again, it would be a bad thing because at the same time, how many of that area has he seen? Well, yeah, that's again, I don't know a lot of women who'd be comfortable with a gynecologist. I mean, the guy spends his uh, his days uh, inspecting, uh, you know, other women. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know a lot of women that would be comfortable with that. Um, Carl, you got to love this comment. <laughs> Carl, that's brilliant. Yeah, gotta love that comment. Thank you, Carl, for that one. Appreciate you for that one. <laughs> uh, Deborah on Facebook is saying, I almost kicked my first gynecologist in the face. <laughs> How? Oh, my God. Um, were you dating him at the time, though? That's the question. <laughs> Big caveat there. <laughs> oh, Lord, you gotta love our audience. This next one actually um, has to do with uh, basically the cool like just some of the cool things that you know you've heard your parents say in the past uh this person actually asked that exact question here you go what was the coolest rule that your parents gave you growing up if we did our chores and we didn't talk back and we basically did everything right then we didn't get our ass beat <laughs> for the most part that's actually a really cool thing that, uh, you know, that was the coolest thing that my parents actually told me many times. Um, <laughs> I like the tell me you're 40 without telling me you're over 40 thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. you know, my childhood. You know, you didn't you didn't get rewarded for doing what you were supposed to do. 
<laughs> yeah, my childhood was like, you didn't get rewarded. You're just lucky you're alive. <laughs> it's like, um, I brought you here. Uh, that's your reward. The, the extent of that for me was my mom did the old gold star chart for chores when we were really young. And if you did all your chores and you got a little star in each, you know, little category, then she would take us by Baskin Robbins, you know, at the end of the week or something like that. But that, that was about the extent of it. My mom tricked me. She, she, she would go ahead and be like, if you do this, I promise you'll get ice cream. Never got ice cream. <laughs> Never got it. My mom, she was a trickster with that one. I was like, what about the ice cream? I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about it. I'll give it to you tomorrow. By tomorrow, I forgot about it already. Of course. She did that every time. I'm like, dude, seriously, when I got older, I started catching on. And I was like, hold on a second. Oh, wait, wait one darn minute. All right. So what, 17, 18? I hate you. 50 episodes later and I still hate you. <laughs> Moving on to some strange and outlandish news. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us on our 50th episode of the Navarro Miller Report. Thank you so much for being on here and joining us. Uh, Jeremy, uh, this this is actually a pretty outlandish news that's going on right now. Man kills scammer after fin and finishes dinner afterward. What happened there? Yeah, so um, we have a Texas man who's accused of fatally shooting a fake parking attendant. Oh, this wasn't in Florida? No, this was in Texas. Ah, cool. Uh, you know, I mean, somebody shooting yeah. and running after and killing someone who wronged them is a very Texas thing to do. Yeah, so weapons are legal down there, so, you know. Practically anything. Um, so <laughs> Eric Aguirre, 29, went to, a downtown, went to downtown Houston to meet up with a woman. They arrived in separate cars. They parked. And as they parked, they were approached by a man in the parking lot who said you had to pay $20 to park there. But if you showed the receipt from the restaurant, you get the $20 back at the end of the night. So the man forked out 40 bucks. They went inside to get their table. And apparently at that time, someone informed him that the man did not work for the restaurant. He is seen on video cameras, surveillance cameras, running out to his car, grabbing his gun, chasing the man down and shooting him in the chest. He then leaves him in the street, bleeding with a gunshot wound to the torso, goes back into the restaurant and finishes his date. Here's the kicker. His date turned him in. Oh, my God. He wow. claimed all he did was run out there and scare the guy. But when she heard about someone being found shot and someone matching her date's description, being the one who ran after him, the date is the one who turned him in. Um... <laughs> So far as bad dates go, uh, <laughs> I think that's right up there at the top. <laughs> it's so funny because when you were talking about this, first thing that came to mind was Back to the Future 3. Shot in the back by Buford Tanner over a matter of $80. <laughs> well, and that's the part that kills me. I mean, seriously, people, it's $40. I mean, yeah, yeah I've been hurting for and where $40 would really hurt me too to lose that. But you're going to go chase someone down and take their life over $40. Are $40. you serious? Come on, $40. That's that's to, in this day and age, $40 is nothing. I mean, but then again, you know, again, it's Texas. So they'll just pretty much, I think they'll pretty much use any excuse to use a gun. Well, so. I mean, it, it can be. I mean, I'm sorry, Texas is a gun loving. I'm not ragging on you guys, but it's a gun loving place. My, I got lots of family down there. Everybody's got a gun, um, you know, kind of throws. I won't get into the political side of it, but, yeah. but it's just, I, I don't get, 
I mean, like I said, $40 can be huge. I mean, that's a tank yeah. of gas to get to work and take your kids, you know, take care of your kids for the week. I mean, that's, that's a big deal to a lot yeah. of people who are struggling. So oh, I'm not going to say 40 bucks is nothing. Gas I mean, nowadays. Oh, I know. It's just $40. There can be times where $40 feels like the end of the world, but it's not worth somebody's life or yours. It's just insane. But I mean, if the guy's already given the guy 40 bucks and parking's 20, he's already given him a pretty fat tip. As well, it no, is. Parking was two cars. Oh, it was two cars. It was oh, two okay. cars. So he gave him 20 for, his, for the girl's car he was meeting and 20 for his. Aw, that's so sweet. And she turned him in. Uh, <laughs> 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 Looks like the date was going to go well. He was a gentlemanly murderer. <laughs> yeah, right. He was. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Carl. Why, 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 Carl? Why? Carl, stay kinds of visits? What, Carl, I swear. This, this. I don't know. I'm not, Carl, I'm not sure that's a relationship that's getting off the ground considering she turned him in. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I don't think that date went the way uh, he planned uh, at all, ever. So, oh my God. In other outlandish news, uh, Madam Stylist, what's going on? What's happening? So we got an interesting one up in Washington County. Um, a Washington County hairstylist is facing prostitution charges after state police busted her for allegedly performing sexual acts on her clients. Florida, you're being left behind. Yeah, What's I mean, you guys, Florida, you got to catch up here. We got Why? some interesting challengers here. So basically, it was brought to the authority's attention mm -hmm. after a man had sent his wife to this hair salon to get her hair done. And apparently they butchered his wife's hair. These people do not know how to cut hair. So he was suspicious <laughs> and he started paying attention. Come on. And apparently at a hair salon, only men were coming and going all hours of the day. And none of them were leaving with haircuts. Well, not that we could see at all, at least. <laughs> I left that open for you. Thank you for yeah. picking that up. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, she was running a full-blown prostitution ring out of her out of her hair salon. It doesn't say if she had any um, girls working for her. It, yeah. It's very possible she was servicing every one of these clients. Um, yeah. So she's facing a lot of charges. They sent in an undercover officer who she apparently propositioned within moments of him coming in the door. She then locked the door, pulled the blinds down, and he then revealed himself as an officer, and she was placed under arrest. Well, folks, you've heard of the champagne room. Check out the shampoo room. All right. <laughs> so, the interesting thing is, this is actually, at least back when I first started going to China, not when I first started going, but maybe 15 years ago or so when I went back to China, I was working with a shady producer out there. I didn't know he was shady at the time. Um, he pointed out as we were walking around barber shops. Uh, and I'm not kidding. There was, they were set up like barber shops. I mean, you have mirrors and chairs and the whole nine yards. Yet the only people in there were 20 year old women wearing bathrobes. <laughs> Right. And you could see the mattresses in the back on the floor. When was the last time you found a professional look that fits so well you felt like you could take on anything? 
Indochino believes you shouldn't fit your clothes, they should fit you, your body, personality, and style. Because finding the perfect fit is about more than your measurements, it's how you show the world who you are. Design every detail of your suit to be totally you with Indochino's new women's wear line. Simply submit your measurements online or visit an expert style guide at an Indochino showroom. They have hundreds of high-quality fabrics and details to choose from and are always adding new options so you can add your own flair. With endless ways to customize, designing an outfit is easy. Just tell Indochino how you want it and that's how they'll make it. Find your perfect fit and stand out in style with a custom suit from Indochino. For 10% off, use promo code WOMEN when you visit Indochino.com to book a showroom appointment or place an order. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code WOMEN. For uh, educational purposes, where exactly was this at? Oh, uh, you, you dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, was in, this was in China, in Shanghai. My hair's and, getting long. Um, I need a haircut. What can I say? You know? Apparently, that was actually very common out there in Asia, and they were called salons. And they, it's a total front. So uh, this is not unheard of. But uh, yeah, not she wasn't she wasn't covering her bases very well. I mean, these guys are leaving with no haircuts. It's only men coming to a hair salon. This was not a barber shop. This was a hair salon, and yet it's a clientele of only only guys. So come it, on, people, get it together. At least step at up your game. Least, yeah, at the very least, hire people that know how to like cut hair or something to you know kind of keep, or at least. Have your clients, they're making enough money, obviously. Have your clients go to uh, freaking beauty school and learn how to cut hair. And, you know, come on, you know, that we don't get caught. Not that we're endorsing any illegal activities here on the Navarro Miller Report. Wanted to go ahead and put that out there right now. I uh, <laughs> just want to go ahead and put that disclosure out there or disclaimer out there before anything else. Wow. That is, um, that is it just, you know, it, it just reminds me of the league. <laughs> if, I'm sorry. It's an inside joke between myself and Jeremy. <laughs> Folks, if you haven't checked it out, if you're a fan of sports at all and just good buddy comedies, there's a show called The League that is absolutely hysterical. Trust me. Check it out. You'll thank us. What, what did, it, what did oh, the character Taco call it? Pu- pubercuts? Pu- pubercuts or something like that? Yeah. Pu- uh, pubercuts. Pubercuts. Yeah. yeah. He's taking his van around and doing pubic styling and trimming for men and women for men and women. <laughs> the taco special um uh, i don't want to go to dehab oh, uh, <laughs> anyway um, sorry folks we're getting we're, on we're a losing, tangent here. We're, losing, we're losing the audience members like what the hell is talking about okay we're changing the channel right now uh anyways thank you for staying with us um <laughs> wow well that's gonna be uh that that's uh that's going to be, we're cutting that off. Get it? <laughs> Anyways, in, other, in entertainment news, the Red Table Talk has come to an end because Facebook is actually cutting their uh, their meta. They are shutting down the Facebook Facebook Watch, actually. Meta announced that. And along with the Facebook Watch, they had shows like Red Table Talk uh, starring, uh, that was hosted by Jada Pickett-Smith. But one person who will not be missing that show is Nick Cannon. Uh, Canon has a brand new, uh, show on Amazon, on Amazon, uh, I think it's called Amazon radio or something like that. Uh, that's, uh, that he has called the daily Canon. And in the, uh, in the show, he pretty much expressed how he really didn't, was not going to miss it. Uh, he went ahead to say, quote, if there was no red, like, well, basically before I get into that, basically he blames, 
bread table talk for Will Smith going off the way he did because of that episode that both Jada and Will pretty much mm-hmm. put their dirty laundry out for the public to uh, listen to and talked about their uh, their their in you know indiscretions whatever and. Nick Cannon went ahead and said, quote, if there was no red table talk, then he would have slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, that was royalty, Will and Jada. Then, then they brought it to, to, to the table talk. Uh, I don't want to know all this shit about y'all. Basically, you know, he's blaming that episode for Will's reaction at the Oscars slapping Chris Rock on national television for millions to see. He's blaming that that pretty much uh, what happened in Red Table Talk was what pretty much uh, fueled the fire in Will Smith. And, you know, Chris Rock's comment about Jada's hair was the match that sparked the rest. Mm-hmm. So, Look, it's I, I it's know. logical to assume that. I mean, it, it, it seems that way. I mean, it truthfully was the beginning, having all this dirty laundry aired, um, you know, making Will look weak or whatever else um, for putting up with that and her cheating and all this other stuff. But again, they chose to put their dirty laundry out there. I mean, is this a show I would have watched? No, I'm not interested in the drama and the gossip and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But people chose to go on this. They know what the format is. They know they're going to be getting asked uncomfortable questions that, you know, may put some stuff out there they don't want. I wouldn't do it. You know, and I'm I certainly wouldn't be interested in watching it, so I'm not going to miss it. And personally, I think that's unless you're confronting those things in a healthy way and looking for solutions, there's no point in that being on television. It's just the lowest common denominator of TV. My question is, who advised Jada or if this was Jada's idea to put their dirty laundry out there like that to begin with. I mean, I don't think they had low views uh, unless somebody said, hey, your views are going down. We need to spice this up a little bit, you know, make it a little bit more interesting by putting your, your private stuff out there since it's already out in the news. Might as well put it out there for everybody to see. I mean, whose who's genius idea was this to go ahead and do that? Because... At the end of the day, celebrities are consistently complaining about their privacy being, uh, you know, out, out there mm-hmm. and how they want their privacy to remain private. But oh, yet you go ahead and, and they're and- constantly out going to great lengths to protect that privacy. So, yeah, you're, you're dead on with this because this is a PR nightmare. Any publicist or manager, if they had run this by them beforehand, any publicist or manager worth their salt would have said, do not do this. Do not air this out. Do not put this on there. This is a PR nightmare. And they went ahead and did it. So I don't know what I don't know what advice they got, who told them this was a good idea, if they just thought it was. I, I have no idea whether they were trying to humanize themselves by showing their issues. I have no idea what their thought process was, but it's one of the dumbest ideas I could possibly imagine putting this much embarrassing dirty laundry out there you know I mean, willingly and as and as uh, and as much as will personifies this very alpha male-esque type of character on in all his in pretty much all his movies and stuff like that will smith the person you know he should have actually embraced those characters and said hey this isn't a good idea 
Like, I do not want to go ahead and put do this in front of everybody. So that makes me think that maybe Jada was the one had that had the idea to do this. It's possible, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's on both of them. It's a horrible idea on her part as well. I mean, it is, it's just an absolutely awful idea to air all this out, you know, for, for everybody to see. Um, That's just, that's just all there is to it. So, and again, unless they were doing it in a way that was trying to be constructive and work through all this and deal with it in a healthy way, which doesn't sound like that's what came out of it or that that's what they were doing. I, again, I don't know where they got the advice to make this happen, but they should have run this by somebody who knows, you know, what they're doing. Cause they would have told them absolutely not <laughs> do not address this. And I highly doubt a uh, marriage counselor would have advised them to do this too. Like, oh, ab- absolutely not. I, I know some good marriage counselors, some people who really have helped a lot of people. And I guarantee they would have said, absolutely not. This is something you guys work on in private. You do not want everyone else involved in this. And like Nick said, we don't want to hear this. I mean, dude, who wanted me- to know this really? Who wanted to know about this? Well, let I, me give you, let me give you an example. Vanderpump rules. I've been watching the whole scandal of all every freaking social media outlet. Everything's out there. And I'm like, dude, this is just a bump ratings of Vanderpump rules. That's all this is happening. I don't care if during the show, Oh, during the show, he was hinting that he was cheating on blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I really, I, I don't care. You know, it's done. Everybody cheats. You know, well, not everybody. Most people freak most, most relationships. There's, always somebody that cheats i don't care this is something that they have to go ahead and figure out on their own they have to go ahead and talk with them in private you know granted they're in front of the camera granted they have their lives plastered all over the place but do we really need to keep on talking about this every single it's the problem is that's what gets the ratings you know we have so many people that are just complete gossip hounds it used to be relegated to the gossip sheets you know i mean that's really the only place you heard about this but this is what drives ratings now that's one of the reasons why i won't click on articles that are talking about this drama if i'm scrolling through stuff looking through news just for things i want to read if i see something that starts with this celebrity person and this person i don't even read it i literally won't even click on it i don't want to hear about your bs drama your relationship drama your i i don't care yeah but you hear about here's the thing though that before you heard about this for about you know two or three days and then it was done mm-hmm. we move on this this whole freaking vanderpump the scandal thing has been going on for three weeks now it's driving me insane i see like, well, like a brand new story every week about this well, again it's like you said most likely something that they leaned into because they know it's helping push ratings up and whatever else and if they on. wanted if they wanted it to go away it would and and come on it's like every other week. Oh, we just found out about something else that was. No, you didn't. You've been holding on to this for that, and so that every week you could go ahead and feed just a little bit more out of something you knew about this for weeks already. You're just like cutting it into little pieces and and spoon feeding little bits of it every single freaking week. It's annoying. It's like, dude, stop. These people, like, seriously, this is stupid. I could almost guarantee, I almost want to think, I, I mean, I hate to think this, but I almost think that this is all pre-planned, scheduled, and scripted that all of this happened. Who knows? Probably. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of these reality shows. I mean, at the very least, 
they have ideas in which way they're going to push it. They have ideas of certain scandals that have already happened. That's why I don't pay attention to this stuff. You know, I don't. I do not watch the reality shows. I don't watch the real housewives, the real husbands. The real, I, don't I don't care. I will not watch any of that stuff. It does not interest me. I mean, the only like the only actual uh, the only actual silver lining is that they kind of, you know, stop talking a lot about the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> I see about that. It's like, wow, we get a break from the Kardashians. Let's move on to Vanderpump. Jesus criminy. Okay. <laughs> Enough of my rant for the day on that. I've been wanting to get that off my chest for a few days now. So I finally got a chance to do it. Uh, either way, Red Table Talk has been canceled. Nick Cannon. You got to go ahead and hand it to him. He wasn't, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't sugarcoat it. He pretty nope. much said what he felt about that. Uh, well, I, and you know what? And Derek, thank you. You know, I agree with that. Growing Pains, uh, our, one of our audience members, growing saying Growing Pains was more real uh, than any reality show. I can thank you, Derek. Appreciate that. Yes, most definitely. I mean, I have to disagree, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> moving on to some other entertainment news. Uh, Marvel's Blade reboot will reunite True Detective creator with uh, Marshala Ali. Uh, this coming from IGN.com. Marvel it says, "quote Marvel's Blade just added another writer to its crew. Nick Pizzolato, uh, known for his work as the creator of True Detective, has joined the upcoming MCU film as a writer, according to the Hollywood Reporter. The addition reunites Pizzolato and Blade star Marshala Ali as they work together on season three of HBO's." Claimed crime anthology series. IGN has reached out to Disney and Pizzolatto's reps for comment. Uh, Pizzolatto will be working off of a script by Michael Starbury, who previously scored an Emmy nomination for his work on an episode of When They See Us. Pizzolatto has reportedly been working on Blade's script for a few weeks now. Here's like, okay, I'm glad they're making a reboot of Blade. I'm kind of curious. Well, I'm not glad, really. I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to do this because the the first one was cool. The first movie was cool. The second one was cool. They started losing me towards the third one, and then they created a TV show on uh, what used to be the TNN network, uh, the National Network. Then they went into TBS, et cetera, et cetera. I'm kind of mixed about this whole reboot with Blade. Uh, I mean, I know that the Marvel Universe is starting to gain momentum. Uh, and there's a lot of characters that, you know, Ghost Rider is one of the characters that they kind of introduced in uh, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit with a brand new character. They rebooted Ghost Rider a little bit. I don't know about Blade. I'm still I'm kind of I don't know how that's going to work out. I think it all depends on how they go about it. Um, I, I disagree with you in that I only thought the first movie was worthwhile. As far as I was concerned, the second and third were just trash. Um, I, I did not enjoy them at all, but Blade is such an intricate character. He's got so much depth. There's so many different things you can do with that character and that storyline that I'm actually really curious to see what direction they go with it. Um, as fun as the Wesley Snipes original Blade was, and I love Stephen Dorff, you know, who played the bad guy in that Stephen and I go way, way back. His dad wrote the Growing Pains theme song. Um, I, I love the guy and I've always loved his performances, but it was very much a film of its time. 
it wasn't it was a little more gimmicky it was a little more action film rather yeah. than um they didn't explore a lot of the darker aspects of it and i think that's something they could do now years later um those things are just much more common now in in superhero films you know you can really delve into some of that so i think blade's a fun character to revisit i i hope they do it justice I do too. Um, honestly, I, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think that they should have made a reboot about Blade. What I think they should have done is like every other Marvel character, reintroduce him into one of the other Marvel movies. Uh, like, for example, if, uh, I don't know, uh, if uh, one of the Marvel action heroes was needing to find some dark magic or you know needed to uh find like needed to find black vampire blood or something like that they should have like but like well i know a guy that can do it you could but do some that way in the in the blade comic books as far as i know i didn't read them all blade was one of their few that didn't do a ton of crossovers uh as far as that's that's what i've been told by friends of mine who were fans of blade um they they didn't do a lot of crossovers if any so i don't know where the vampires and daywalkers and all that kind of stuff would fit into the classic mcu um you know to do a connection there i mean you could maybe introduce him in a brief scene or something but i don't know how much you could really include blade in a marvel you know avengers film or anything else like that i don't know how um I don't, I don't know how well he'd fit into the dynamic of those stories. Well, I don't know. I, again, man, I just got a bad taste from the, from the, from the last two movies. I mean, I, I, I was giving part two a little bit of credit and part three. The only reason why part three made it a little bit interesting was because of Ryan Reynolds. He made it funnier in the movie. Like he made as like, he does. Exactly. So he made that movie a little bit tolerable, but having Jessica Biel, triple H, you know, all those people, it just, I don't know. It just didn't really, I didn't really get it. Like, I didn't really, like, it didn't really interest me too much. Uh, you know, part, part two with the whole, you know, with the whole vampires killing vampires thing, that kind of was a little gross. I really was like, yeah, you know, it was kind of like a virus type of thing. I was kind of like, yeah, not really, it didn't really get me, you know? So part one, obviously part one, you can never go bad with part one. Part one is actually a really good storyline. Again, Stephen Dorff did an incredible job playing the villain in that movie. Deacon uh, Frost. <laughs> yeah. Deacon Frost. I mean, you know, he did a great job with that movie. I actually really enjoyed the first one. Second one. The only reason why I watched the second one was because I wanted to know what happened to Whistler, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I had a feeling Whistler was still alive. I mean, because they they freaking like drank his blood, but I was like, they drank his blood, but that means that he's infected. He's a vampire. And we never really saw him kill himself with a gun. We never we saw did. that. We just imagined that. So I'm like, I don't know. Why do I have a feeling Whistler's still alive? He never, because at that point he was already infected. He's a vampire at that point. He, vampires are all about survival. They don't want to kill themselves. They want to yeah. feed and survive. And Whistler was already turned at that point. So that's what made me think Whistler's still, I think Whistler's still alive. Sure enough, I was right. Uh, this is, again, writer's brain. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way I think sometimes. So, yeah, but now with this reboot, I'm curious. I'm, I'm only curious to see how they're going to reboot this because they had the TV show. It flopped. I think it only did like maybe three episodes before it said bye-bye, uh, before it was canceled. 
Um, and I saw one episode and I was like, yeah, not going to, no, no, not interested. Don't like it. It's done. Goodbye. Uh, so now I'm interested with this reboot. I'm curious to see exactly how they're going to do with this. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I have really little to say about that. And I'm morbidly, and I'm saying this, honestly, I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of excited. I think, I think if they do it the right way, it could be a really fun new take on Blade. You didn't watch the other the other two blades, did oh, you? Oh, I, I watched them and they were <laughs> god awful. That's why I'm excited to see them go a different direction. Maybe it might be good. I mean, you know, we got Disney back in it. Marvel is is you know done has got a pretty good track record. We'll see how it goes. In other entertainment news, sad day this week uh, in television. Uh, Jerry Springer passed away at the age of 79. Uh, after a uh, brief uh, brief illness, actually, uh, the brief illness, from what we understand, according to sources uh, with TMZ, these, these tell them that it was pancreatic cancer uh, that was diagnosed a few months ago. Uh, unfortunately, he uh, he passed away. And let me tell you, Jerry's a legend. Jerry was was and will always be a legend in television. Uh, I mean, he went ahead and. He ran for Congress, I believe, for a brief time. Then he became the mayor of uh, Cincinnati, I believe. I believe uh, it was Cincinnati, yes. Yep. And then that was just for one term, though. He only did one term. Then I, it was so funny because the Jerry Springer show was actually supposed to be a political show. And then it turned into this crazy, like, pop you know, type of, uh, you know, iconic television show that many people, even Austin Powers, uh, you know, even <laughs> introduced him in there. So he did a lot of great, like, he was a legend in, in talk show history. Uh, well, I'm going to take a different view on that. Um, now, given it's always sad when someone passes away, I feel for his family and the fact that he had to go from pancreatic cancer, which is a horrible way to go, um, you know, is sad. But I will argue on the legend part, because honestly, what he's responsible for is the lowest form of television programming we've ever seen. And it spurred on all the shit that we see today. I don't think that's legendary. I think that's notorious. OK, I, I'm sorry. That's it. I'm, I will. I will admit that in my, you know, early 20s, my party and drinking days with all my buddies and stuff like that, we watched. We watched all the time to see the chaos. Yeah. But if you look at what came out of that, it was the first absolute just shit show of a reality show where people turned in for no substance and no content just to see the absolute dregs of society humiliate themselves that's the lowest form of programming there is in entertainment i'm sorry and that's what he was responsible for even he in his later years regretted doing the show even everything it brought him all the fame all my he regretted doing the show because of what it created and what it brought on and i respect that he could at least look back and see the damage that he helped create um, I'm not a huge fan. I really, I, I think his legacy is very, uh, it's not Master? so, <laughs> it, it, it's, I won't say tainted, but it's not so black and white. He, he's, you know, he was responsible in, in promoting that show and making it as big as he is and helping push it down the path that it went. 
you know, he's responsible for a lot of the really crappy programming we see on television today. That's just sheer voyeurism. Um, it's it, it's to me, it's not a good thing. And that's unfortunately the legacy he left, you know, in the business for me. And even he recognized it. I mean, he gave many interviews in later in life saying he really regretted doing the show. He was embarrassed by it. I mean, do you think that possibly if he hadn't maybe if he hadn't left politics, I mean, do you think, I mean, cause the thing is television's one thing, politics is another. Oh, politics is even slimier, but <laughs> yeah, well, very true. Yeah. You're right about that. But I mean, you know, I'm wondering if maybe he, his legacy was a little bit better politically speaking. Well, television was, speaking, from what I heard, he was remembered fondly as the mayor of Cincinnati. Um, when the show was early in its days, people often defended him by saying how beloved he was in Cincinnati. I could be wrong about that. I don't know what politics were like in the late 80s or early 90s, you know, in Cincinnati. But I, if I recall correctly, he was rather well remembered. So, yeah, if he hadn't have gotten into this show and had it go down the path, I mean, even if he had started this show and had kept on more of the political side, he could have been one of the biggest, you know, political and news talk show hosts. He had that ability. He was a very smart man. Um, but, you know, he saw a, a direction things were going. He saw popularity and something nobody had ever done before. And he went with it. And, you know, hey, that's the American way. He saw a way to make a lot of money really quick and get his show really popular. But, you know, he he scraped the bottom of the barrel to get it done. And even he knew that. Yeah, that is true. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to go ahead and uh, disagree with you on that, uh, because I mean, but, but at the same time, in the same sense, you can say the same thing about shock jocks, too. You, you can to a degree, especially with the direction it went. I mean, Howard Stern, of course, was the one who took mm -hmm. it all to the next level. I mean, so in a sense, in a sense we can't really blame Jerry for for pretty much paving the way because you have shock jocks like Howard Stern that are responsible for that as well. You know, in a way, but even then they kept it more interesting. I mean, they're not dragging family members in here to expose every horrible, I mean, as, as, as outlandish as Howard's stuff was, you know, he, he never had, yeah, I screwed my, my husband's, you know, daughter four times and got her pregnant. Who's the father? You know, I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It was the absolute lowest form of programming. No, I mean, the shock jocks, the shock jocks back in the day until Howard Stern were not that shocking. I mean, you had, you know, Mark and Brian on, you know, KLOS or whatever it was yeah. you had, Oh God, what I can't even remember all their names. Rick D's in the morning. He wasn't really a shock really jock. A shock he started yeah. he started going that way when some of Jay Thomas and some of those others started going that way a little bit more. But they they weren't for the most part, they weren't scraping the bottom of the barrel for ideas, you know. It, it was stuff people were at least interested and curious about. It wasn't, here's a train wreck, come and watch. <laughs> there is a, there is a difference there. True. True. I mean, but I mean, again, it's, I guess, I guess Jerry pretty much, I would, I would have to say that Jerry was more of a shock host instead of a shock jock. 
uh, because he wasn't in radio. He was in television. So it's a, it's a complicated legacy. It is. It's he definitely contributed some things that were good, but in the long run, if you look at everything that that show brought us, I, I think it's a very complicated and not so flattering legacy. True, true. And uh, of course, as you said, he actually, uh, the Jerry Springer show uh, was, was, uh, had its final run a few years ago. Jerry actually, uh, he started, uh, he, he started, he actually went into radio uh, shortly after he started hosting uh, folk music shows uh, in a local radio station in Cincinnati. So pretty much he was there up until uh, about a month ago when he had to say, when he had to stop. Uh, for his, because of his health, uh, he actually did make one uh, last television appearance in the last season of the Masked, uh, the Masked Singer, where he performed as a Beatle singing a Frank Sinatra classic. So he did make one final appearance on television doing that. Uh, he will be, I mean, suffice it to say, Jerry Springer will be remembered and uh, he will be missed by a lot of fans. So rest in peace, Mr. Jerry Springer. My condolences go out to his family and to the fans of Jerry Springer in sports. The NFL draft is here. 2023 draft is here. And let me tell you, there was a lot of winners, a lot of losers in round one. One in particular was, uh, well, Will Levi, uh, who pretty much ESPN looked at as he was like, what, 0.001 as far as the the one in a thousand. (laughs) That he wouldn't get drafted. I know. Well, here's the thing. He got the, I mean, I hate to bring up the name, but he got the Aaron Rodgers treatment. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, this is the last top flight quarterback that we saw that just dropped and dropped and dropped. Um, that's that's kind of what happened to him. Will's an interesting case. Will was a very successful quarterback mm-hmm. until he transferred to Kentucky last year. Last year, his stats regressed an awful lot. His rushing touchdowns dropped, his yardage dropped, his interceptions went up a little bit. He was dealing with some uh, health issues. He had a bum toe, which if you know anything about for a quarterback, Mm -hmm. especially a running quarterback, that's tough. You can't plant to make your throws. Getting that first step, that speedy first step to get the break and start running is really difficult. But all these things kind of came down on him last year. So I think that probably had a little something to do with it. There were quotes by two different unnamed sources of different teams that said the toe was a big concern for them, actually, and they were worried it wasn't completely healed. That was one of the reasons why they had passed on him. Um, But this guy's got talent. I mean, he's got an arm. He's got the vision. He, you know, his coaches and teammates speak very highly of his abilities. So I think we could be seeing another Aaron Rodgers type situation here where, you know, he fell out of the first round. Now, Aaron didn't. He got drafted at the end of the first round. But still, it's a late round. You know, it's a late draft pick a lot later than he was expecting. Yeah, he got drafted, I, well, he got, he got drafted today by Tennessee. So no, I know. Titans now. And the Titans are, have been looking for a quarterback to be able to, you know, kind of get them back into respectability. I, I think it's it's not a bad place for him to go. And if he really is healed, I think he could be a surprise. He could be one of those guys who five years from now were going, you all were morons. You know, yeah, it's possible. I mean, look, look at I mean, his the way he finished uh, with the Wildcats, he finished 112th in points scored in 2022. So the guy has an arm. 
Uh, but what we're looking at as well is the fact of the matter that a lot of these teams, they're looking for the next Mahomes, uh, a, a passer that could move around in the pocket. Somebody like Lamar Jackson that could go ahead and just rush the ball if nobody else is, is open. That's what a lot of teams are looking for now. And unfortunately, Levi's not one of those one of those quarterbacks. He's got an arm, well, no, but he, he can't he, really move that much because of his he, if he's healthy, he can. He put up very good rushing numbers. He's one of those sneaky, quick rushing quarterbacks. Now, is, his, is he as physically gifted as a Lamar Jackson? No, he's no. not. But he put up good numbers. I mean, he was a guy who was putting up 800 to 1,000 rushing yards in his season before he transferred to Kentucky. Uh, I believe he put up 12 or 14, I think it was 12 rushing touchdowns. You know, so, I mean, the guy can run. He has those abilities. And, you know, again, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. But I got a feeling in five or six years, we're going to be having this discussion where, you know, all the pundits are going, what the hell were you people thinking letting him drop this far? Very, very true. Very true. And I mean, of course, the winners in this whole thing, I mean, you got the Texans who got C.J. Stroud. That's what, well, not even just, C.J. Stroud, I'm not as high on. CJ is a good quarterback. I want to see what he's going to do when he's not surrounded by the best three receivers in college football, you know, but he, I mean, he's a very good quarterback. I'm not taking anything away, but of the quarterbacks in this draft, he's probably the one that I was the least high on. Um, what really impressed me for the Texans was their next pick. Um, I think it was CJ that they traded up to get. Yeah, they traded with the Cardinals. And then they had the third round pick from another trade last year. You got so getting Will Anderson is huge. That's the linebacker out of Alabama who is a beast. I mean, an absolute beast. And the Texans, I mean, this is the team that, you know, J.J. Watt helped build. That Their defense was just brutal for years. Last year, they actually had a historically bad defense. They gave up the six most rushing yards in a season all time. Okay. They were a historically bad defense. So getting a game changing linebacker, the pick after you just got a guy who could be your franchise quarterback, they are absolute hands down winners of the first round. Now I want to see what they do in the second and third rounds today, but they absolutely killed it. Well, I mean, the Texans were out for blood because they went ahead and yesterday they also traded with the Lions, uh, moving up the, to a number six pick where they took Ohio State left tackle Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, you know, that's the one they traded that Arizona traded. Well, 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 no, they uh, they they got uh, with Arizona they got Anderson. Um, because according to this, it says, uh, the Cardinals, they got the third pick from the Cardinals, uh, and then they got the sixth pick from the lions. Right. But that sixth pick went to the Cardinals in the move up to the third pick because the Cardinals took Paris Johnson with six. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right about that. And there was a lot of movement last night. <laughs> well, there was, this was, well, that's what happens with these kinds of drafts. I'm not saying these guys aren't amazing, but this was not one of those drafts where you had 15 or 20 guys that you were like, these are definitely the first round picks. These guys are gods. You know, I mean, you didn't really have that. There's a lot of parody. There are a lot of guys going on day two and day three that could have probably gone on day one. 
So there was a lot of movement. Guys knew, you know, team managers, the gener- the GMs knew what they were looking for, what guys they thought fit, and they were willing to move. I mean, there was a lot of trading going on, draft picks and everything else, so people could try and get the guys they had targeted. I mean, is it just me, or did it feel more like the teams were more looking for defense this year more often than offense as far as uh, drafts went? Well, it's been the trend in the draft the last few years. Defense has definitely been um, probably the highest taken. As as we've seen, quarterbacks, especially game-changing quarterbacks, are still going to be at the top of the draft. Um, we saw that with uh, Bryce Young going in number one and C.J. Stroud going number two. But first round, it used to be you'd see tons of running backs, tons of quarterbacks, the occasional wide receiver. And then day two and day three, you'd start seeing all the big O linemen and the defensive Mm -hmm. tackle. It's reverse now. You know, now everybody wants to shore up the trenches. They want to shore up their defensive line. They want to shore up their offensive line. So you're not seeing as many receivers and running backs and offensive skill positions going in the first round anymore. So, I mean, that's this first round was no different. A ton of cornerbacks, ton of defensive linemen, ton of offensive uh, linemen, and then the quarterbacks right at the top. The one that really shocked me was the, um, I mean, everybody's been kind of down on the Lions, which is always easy to do. They don't ever draft very well. Um, I mean, that's, I'm sorry. It seems like every year we're talking to them. Every year we're talking about the Lions as one of the worst, you know, worst drafts. But they picked... Jameer Gibbs, a running back out of Alabama with the number 11 pick. That's absolutely insane to me. This is a guy they probably could have drafted in the second round. There weren't many other people that were high enough on this running back to draft him in the first round. Um, the only like lock first round guy there was was Bijan Robinson out of, I believe, out of Texas, um, who went number eight. Um I think he went to the Falcons, but anyway, he has been talked about by every GM as just a can't miss running back. And he was really the only one that most people thought would be an absolute first day pick. So for the lions to reach for a guy, they probably could have gotten on day two and to take him with the 11th pick when there were still offensive tackles to help protect their quarterback and their running back. They already have. I mean, they already have two or three really solid running backs. Um, I mean, they're not game changers, but they're already, you know, pretty much they're already solid running backs. They've got a great quarterback who's really growing into what he's doing. They got Amon Ra St. Brown from USC, who just killed it last year for them, who's their number one receiver now, plus some other solid guys. I just don't understand reaching for a running back in the first round. Um, I I don't see what they saw. Well, I mean, in talking about, you know, interesting, interesting picks, we also have to go ahead and think about the fact of the matter that this is, for me, this season is a season of team rebuilds. Uh, obviously, you know, the Lions, they've been, they've been rebuilding their team since last year. So they're they've still, been rebuilding for 20 years. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, one team in particular, the Green Bay Packers. Now that Aaron Rodgers has gone to the Jets, This is a season of rebuild for the Packers right now. And they made a lot of interesting picks. Last night, they went ahead and uh, they drafted Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. This kid is, you know, he's he's a he's a pretty good, uh, you know, player in the game. I mean, we also have today just today. We got a brand new wide receiver. 
Uh, we have um, we have uh, from Michigan State. We have Jaden Reed. Uh, you know, I mean, this kid, this kid's got, you know, definitely a lot of, he was uh, picked in the second round, uh, pick number 50 in the second round. We also went ahead and picked up a tight end, uh, Luke Musgrave. We picked it uh, as well today. So today was more, I, I just feel that today was more along the lines of, uh, offense that they decided to go ahead and bring in and pick in offense. Obviously we need good wide receivers. We need a good offense right now. Now that we don't have a quarterback, we don't have a real quarterback per se right now with the Packers. Nothing's been announced yet so far. It seems that the Packers may be moving forward with Jordan love and with Jordan love taking over the spot of Aaron Rodgers. That's a little, little bit nerve wracking. In my opinion, I think that the kid probably needed at least another two years uh, riding the bench, really seeing what Rodgers is doing, but obviously that's not the case. He's going to have to step up now and really work with these new talents that are coming in. This is going to be a really tough season for the Packers, in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, and Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets right now. What Aaron is looking at, he's looking at uh, at the Jets building the team around him as he was looking for the Packers to do the same. That's why he pretty much took the money that he did. And, you know, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Packers, in my opinion. I agree with you completely. I hate to say it, but it kind of shows me that they don't have faith in in love um i would i would agree with them though because honestly i i understand taking a player as strong as lucas van ness lucas van ness is a very strong edge rusher defensive end um but when you have a young quarterback who's going to be getting his first starting season and you had two top offensive tackles or offensive guards still on the board when you're picking I mean, two guys that some people were saying could have gone in the top 10. Um, let me see. That was uh, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. And then also um, Broderick Jones, who was a beast at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not pick up somebody to protect that young quarterback? You know, I, it's, it's if you can't put points on the board and keep him healthy, it well, doesn't matter what your defense is doing. So well, I mean, to me, that classic, just shows that they're not they're not all in on him. This is classic Packers, though. They did the same thing with Rodgers when Rodgers was playing. They always went ahead and chose defense, but never an O-line that protects their passer. And that's one of the biggest gripes that Rodgers, I believe, had with the Packers organization. It's like. You need to protect, dude. That's why he got injured so many times because he didn't have anybody able to protect him. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the same thing. This is classic Packers. Pa- in it, the the Packers organization has the old school mentality that defense wins games. That's not so much the case anymore. The dynamic has changed with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Defense doesn't always win games games anymore. Offense no. is starting to pick it up now. It's, it's rare that you see the old school teams who are just going to grind it out and rely on their defense to keep it close. Um, that's just not the way the game is played anymore. I mean, the last team we really saw that was kind of close to that was the Tennessee Titans when they made the playoffs with yeah. uh, Derrick Henry rushing for 2,000 yards that season. And how, and a, how long ago was that? Well, then four years or yeah. something like that, you know. So, again, you don't see that it's it has moved away from that i mean having a great defense is is wonderful i mean but ask the bills how well that goes they had mm-hmm. one of the top five defenses every single year 
and still weren't making the playoffs until they got Josh Allen and they started building that offense around him. So you got to have both in today's day and age. It's not going to cut it the other way around. It's rare you get like that old school Baltimore team, the one that won the, you know, won the championship, won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as the quarterback. They relied 100% on that defense and then just basically said, Trent, don't do anything that'll hurt us. And that's yeah. what he did. I mean, he was a great quarterback at just managing the game, and they relied on that defense to make turnovers and to hold people to no points. You don't, you just don't see that. It's moved away from that completely. Oh yeah, no, and it's it's just it's a sad thing to see, but unfortunately, they're just it's it, they're not going to change. They're not going to change. They're going to continuously keep on making this mistake until hopefully someday they wake up. I'm like, hey, hmm, maybe we should focus on our offense. How about that? So, I'm just going to say this. I don't understand general managers. You're going to, you're going to invest a hundred plus million dollars into a quarterback. That's the going market, even for a mediocre quarterback, you know, an average to above average, they're getting a hundred million dollar contract. Mm -hmm. You're going to invest that in them, but you're not going to keep them safe. I will use Andrew Luck as the prime example. What the Indianapolis Colts did to him should have been criminal. There should have been charges against him. I mean, with all the injuries he got, ruptured spleen, punctured lung, all these different things. I mean, he was damn near killed multiple times because they wouldn't spend money to bring in a decent offensive line. I, why are you going to invest in someone who is supposed to carry your organization and yet not protect them? It's it's absolutely insane to me. And any general manager that is doing that should be fired immediately. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And, you know, we'll just have to see how this season plays out because this is going to be a very interesting season. Again, Rogers being with the Jets, that's going to be interesting to watch how Rogers, the chemistry that he's going to have with that brand new team and how well he's going to go ahead and play with them. We'll just have to see, wait and see what happens there. Honestly, Again, as a Packers fan, I was a Rodgers fan, but you know what? In my opinion, Rodgers became, he just became too big for his britches, and you know what? I'm happy he's gone. My opinion, I'm happy he's gone. I think this is a good opportunity for Green Bay to rebuild and hopefully maybe do something with their offense. We'll just have to wait and see this season and see what happens. Guys, that's the news in case you haven't heard it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Navarro Miller Report. Don't forget, Lakers versus Grizzlies is tonight. Man, they're killing me here with this whole... With the, they only do this every year. It's like, come on, you can't just do a nice clean sweep. No, you have to keep us watching to make sure to see what happens. So, I'm sorry. I They just don't look the part. They don't to me. I mean, LeBron's gotten a little too old. Davis's oh, body is still breaking down. I don't see them get Even if they make it through this round and beat the Grizzlies, I, I don't see them getting out of the next round or making the finals. I just don't. I'm just, I'm over it. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> make sure you go ahead and watch it. Hopefully they'll make it to the, second, to the next round of the playoffs. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Thanks again, everybody, for watching us. As always, uh, love you, audience, for being here uh, in our stream and everything. Thanks again for joining us on our 50th episode. Uh, we'll make sure to come back again very soon. As always, we'll go ahead and uh, we, we're trying to be consistent as much as possible, but unfortunately, scheduling conflicts between myself and this guy over here are <laughs> He's an issue. We hope everybody mostly has, my bad. Yeah, no, I'll <laughs> take the blame for it too. Come on now, uh, but you know we'll go ahead and make sure we'll try to be as consistent as possible. We always post when we're coming on. So thanks again for joining us here. 
Uh, and everybody have a wonderful weekend. I'm your host, Dave Navarro, along with this guy right here. I'm Jeremy Miller. We will definitely see you guys next time. You have been listening to The Navarro Miller Report.